Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everybody, and welcome uh, to the episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi spoiler review here from the Geek Buddies and Laura Kelly. <gasps> hey! yeah. All right, we are back at it this week to break down uh, this penultimate episode of uh, the Kenobi's Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So much happening here. The reveal we all pretty much guessed was coming was revealed. We also got some more with some badassery from uh, Darth Vader there showing the full power. My, uh, my man can drag down ships from the sky. It's some incredible power being shown there, but also an exploration of Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he's at and what's going on here with him going back to Jabim. We get uh, Leia involved in this. We get Tala coming back. And of course, stuff happens to Tala, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But overall, an incredible story here in this episode breaking down further the relationship here and the connection between obi-wan and darth vader even referencing or uh de-aging uh showing a de-age scene here between them dueling and using that as kind of a template to tell a story of them dueling all these years later 
uh, again there on the planet of Jabim. We're going to get into all of that here on this spoiler review episode. If you haven't watched the episode, go and watch it now. Come back and join us. But let's introduce ourselves first, although Laura Kelly already did. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host. Great to see you guys. Uh, joined, as always, by these two gentlemen. Michael? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shan? This is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and the Goldbergs. Yeah, and Laura Kelly joining us again. Laura, what is the uh, what, what are the shows you're on right now? I am the co-host of Force Toast to Star Wars Happy Hour, a Star Wars audio podcast, and the co-host of The Jedi Way right here with you, John Roca. Hey-o! Uh, and are you working on anything right now? Are you, are you jumping into anything else? Is this pretty much the extent of what you... Because I've been seeing your name more and more online are you jumping into more projects working on other things as well no that's just people talking crap on me um and i'm <laughs> it's pretty much just those two things <laughs> but no i you know i like to hop on my friends shows every now and then when i'm invited i like to not say no to things so i tend to as soon as somebody you know jumps into my dms and asks if i want to come on that's where i will be uh i will always say yes if anybody wants me on your show if you want to talk about star wars books especially give me a shout because i'm always there down for go. that my co-host right now is behind on reading and i need people to talk to about yeah, star wars go. books that's right. so that's i'm your right. girl we just got what the, the sith one brotherhood of the sith whatever it's called it's, yeah it's yeah uh, shadow of the sith shadow so the far sith. that's right back there right there somewhere uh anyway all right so let's get into things here uh once again this is a spoiler review so if you haven't seen it go watch it come on back mikey overall thoughts on this episode five of obi-wan kenobi i i enjoyed the episode i think that this episode represents everything that the show is doing at its best and i think this episode also represents the things uh where the show falters i think this show has a little bit of both i think as we've been talking through the episodes and the episodes that have really grabbed us and the episodes that maybe didn't so much i think as i was watching this episode i kind of had a laura kelly on one shoulder and a shannon mcclung on the other shoulder and i was like oh that's great and i was like oh yeah that's that's where i feel like they don't do as strongly i think i think when they're I think that they are very singular in their vision for this show. And when they are dropped in on that Obi-Wan Anakin stuff, uh, the, 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 uh, the third sister stuff, I think they tell a really strong story. I think a lot of the business around it uh, with the other characters that, that are going on kind of sometimes falters a bit. And I think that was evident in this episode. So uh, can't wait to talk about specifics. Right on. And when they're on your shoulders... I'm probably sitting in your nap, nestled in your chest. Uh, Laura Kelly, thoughts on episode... Like a little, like a little baby. Little baby John. Little baby John. <laughs> little baby John God right here. God help you. <laughs> Have you seen the previews for what we do in the shadows for the new season? Little baby energy no. vampire. It's going to be the greatest thing to see of the season. Um, <laughs> Laura Kelly, thoughts on episode five. As Mike said, his... Or I think he said it off camera. His, uh, his day started with your tweet, so... Um, what are your thoughts overall on episode five here? Fe feeling like the promise of this series really came through in this episode, I believe. What do you think? It did. I would definitely say that. You know, there's a lot of things that have been on my wish list with this show since the beginning, and we got a lot of them in this episode. And I wish they would have spaced some of those out a little bit more. We could have gotten some of, we could have hit on some of those a little bit earlier in the series, but I'm grateful that we got them at all. I absolutely loved this episode. I think it was the strongest, at least for me, it was the strongest of the series so far. So I, uh, Overall, my morning was very satisfying. Uh, I got up very early to sit and watch this and then watch <laughs> it again kind of over the course of the day and was just as happy on my rewatch of this episode. So I, this is going to be the one I think I go back and probably rewatch a lot. Checked a lot of boxes for me. 
Was there a temptation to put a rat tail in your hair this morning? After just a were... little bit, just okay. like a time, just a little one, like Leia. It would have been great. <laughs> Shannon McClung, all right, you're sitting on Michael's shoulder for episode five. What were your thoughts as you're done watching it? I'm assuming you watched it a second time as well. What are your feelings uh, now uh, on episode five? I mean, I think Vogel really hit upon it the best in okay. that the things that they do well, they did really, really well this episode. Mm-hmm. But the things that they don't do well, which um, has kind of been sort of a recurring theme throughout the past five episodes, for me, they're very, very glaring. And you see the promise of what could have been uh, what could have been a really, really great consistent series but there are some of those supporting characters um some due to the writing some due to the performer um that i feel kind of drag the show down a little bit um one of the supporting performers for me is the mvp of the show and i uh i imagine you guys probably know who i'm talking about but you know we'll get we get to it when we get to it right so you've come around on Kumail and Johnny. That's great to hear. Nailed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. He did. Um, yeah, I love this. I stayed up last night. You know, I went to see Elvis last night at a screening. I was wired from that, having doing, done, recorded my out-of-theater reaction, edited and putting up. So I was still wired. Um, so I was up. And so because I was up, I stayed up and watched it in real time, which was a really great experience last night. Do I have some quibbles? Absolutely. But overall... This is what I was waiting for the whole time in in every one of these episodes that have come before. This is the kind of Star Wars I was waiting for. Are there still some leaps in logic? Are there still some confounding things that they did? Yes, but overall the vibe, the general feeling of it, I think they really captured it here. And going back to the prequels, finally showing us a little bit. Yeah, de-aged, but still showing us a little bit of these interactions. Not that de-aged. <laughs> yeah, I know, fair enough. <laughs> Between Obi-Wan and uh, and Anakin, I think was nice to see. And they smartly ended the duel without Anakin doing what he'd done or Hayden Christian doing what he'd done at the end of almost every duel with Obi-Wan in the prequels. With the, You know, it was much more of a we're brothers, we're more connected. So you can see the Clone Wars influence, I think, on the ending of their duel there that we saw um, in the flashback. So, um, And Star Wars doesn't do flashbacks. So this was kind of, a, in a way, a little bit groundbreaking to see some of the see this flashbacks used in this way to kind of uh, supplement what we were getting here in this episode. So overall, enjoyed it, but we'll get into our quibbles for sure. But let's they did a with- real bad flashback in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> well, like I said, they don't really anyway. do them that often. So we don't talk about that. We don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So and and speaking of the duel, let's talk about that overall as a how can I say as a story construct as a foundation. For telling this story mike you're a showrunner you know you you compile scripts you understand what the overall story is that a show is trying to tell but then you have a singular kind of episode that steps out and does something really incredible and unusual here and i thought this construct of using the duel with the de-aged anakin the de-aged obi-wan kenobi lasting through the entire episode checking back in with this duel as things are happening on Jabim there between Kenobi and eventually Vader and Reva, uh, they use this duel, I feel like, perfectly in the episode to juxtapose it with that duel, showing that Anakin is impatient, he wants victory, and he's filled with this rage. Uh, and the, Obi-Wan taking his time, being patient, trying to guide him, trying to teach him, saying you can win even without a weapon, which comes to bear again 
in the duel in real time as we're watching this episode. So what did you think about how they constructed this episode story-wise using that duel as the checkpoint to reference throughout the, uh, the episode? Yeah, like I said, I think when they are when they are focused on the specific story that they set out to tell, it's when they really shine. And I think everything that you're talking about is where this episode just nails it 100%. I mean, yeah. like Laura said, I think all of us just wanted that flashback to the prequels. We wanted to see these two in something that some would say is maybe a little bit better written, a little bit more nuanced from an acting standpoint. Like this is the Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker that we wanted to see. And this, I, I totally agree with you that I felt, uh, I mean, I think the series in general, but this sequence particularly is very, very much uh, in the vein of Clone Wars animated. Like these two feel like the Anakin and Obi-Wan that, uh, that we watched kind of go through all those battles together. And I think the way that they used the battle to sort of illustrate how well these two know each other, I was, I think, just worked great. And I think I said this in the third episode, um, I really feel like this show is doing a great job of bridging the gap between Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Like, mm -hmm. we understand that that is the story that's told, but, you know, Anakin Skywalker sometimes, particularly the Anakin in the prequels, feels like one guy. And then Darth Vader, with that James Earl Jones voice booming out, feels like a different guy. And this episode particularly, showing those two in that fight scene and then cutting right away to Vader and Obi-Wan and watching how they understand each other so well because of that shared experience, I think was really, really effective. I think the other really cool thing about it is that this wasn't Obi-Wan Kenobi's flashback. Like, right. we, like, this is very clearly the way you cut in and out of it. This is Anakin, Anakin. Yeah, Anakin. on his way to Jabin yeah. remembering this fight, thinking back to this time. And so even though it really informs the decisions of both characters, like we see that Obi-Wan knows Anakin well enough to know that he's just going to attack and he's just going to run in. And like you see that it really, both of them have learned a lot. The fact that it's Anakin or Vader's flashback, I think the way that they humanize Vader without making him less scary, I think is really, really, really well done. Yeah. Th Laura, thoughts on this? I mean, you're, obviously you're a, uh... You're a Clone Wars fan as well, and the prequels here, we're going back to this time. Did you like that they used this scene? You know, a lot of people were speculating that we get, you know, a scene from the Clone Wars in live action as the flashback. This kind of accomplishes that, but not 100%. Obviously, this is not a scene we've seen in Clone Wars necessarily, but just a scene you can see happening in Clone Wars. So did you like the story using Joby Harold being the writer here, using this as the foundational piece to tell this particular the show uh, story in this particular episode. I really do. I like how they handled it a lot. And I think, you know, a lot of us were really hoping for like, yeah, like a sort of, maybe it's mid battle. I really wanted like to see these two characters like in their Clone Wars armor. I thought that'd be really cool. Mm. But as always, you know, Star Wars fans just want to see the most badass Star Wars version of the thing that they can get. And I really like that they actually decided to not go that route in this situation and make it like this is a sort of you know training component that we're going through this is a part of Anakin's Jedi trials or maybe if it's just practice for the Jedi trials I'm mm. not sure but I, I like that they took that route when it came to putting all of this together and I really like how it kind of you can kind of see how all of these characters, not just Anakin and Obi-Wan, how all of their stories are kind of tied together and how we're kind of even like Reva and Vader are kind of dancing around each other and the mm -hmm. way that their sort of duel was choreographed at the end. And you see some of that kind of 
you know, rhyming, if you will, in in this training uh, flashback that we're getting between Anakin and Obi Wan. So I thought it it laid the foundation and tied all of the loose ends together in this episode for me perfectly. That's a great point you bring up, Laura. Shannon, I mean, uh, three duels essentially are happening here in the episode. We're seeing the flashback duel, the mental duel between Kenobi and Anakin in in real time in the episode, and then also later Reva and uh, Darth Vader. So thoughts on how they're using the duel uh, uh, from the uh, Clone Wars here or from the prequel uh, era here in, in this episode and how they're using it to tell the story and uh, why do you think they didn't de-age these guys uh, talking? <laughs> well, I don't think you had to do very much to Ewan McGregor. He essentially looks the same way that he did uh, back in 2002. Right. I mean, they did a little bit on him. With Hayden Christensen, and like we've talked Wait, about Are you trying to before. tell me the man hasn't aged in two decades? Are you insane? He's been through a divorce. He's had children. The man has aged, for God's I'm sake. saying he looks... They didn't have to do very much for him. Okay, like, his, sure. he... Physically, he has kind of remained the same. Like yes, they true. probably had to yeah. soften some lines and some wrinkles. Whereas Hayden Christensen, when they did this, you know, he was still he was a, a young man, yes, he was. and he has filled out. And we've talked about how, especially with the MCU, um, like when they would de-age Sam Jackson, when they would de-age Michael Douglas, you can de-age the face, you can't necessarily de-age the body. And so that's why I think. Uh, Anakin looked a little bulkier, bulkier than we remember him, but he still looked awesome. Uh, using that duel as a framing device for the entire episode, that was a genius, genius mm. writing move. Because you not only get to see like the way that these guys are able to semi-predict what the other is going to do, but you get the sense of how well they really knew each other. And that's one of the things and, and that, le- you know, kind of leans into the tragedy of of their relationship, of what of every how everything went down, um, especially that moment where, you know, we've seen this move before. We saw it in Return of the Jedi with Luke and Luke and Vader. We saw it, you know, just in episode three, that moment where Darth is just hammering down on that lightsaber yeah. of Obi-Wan. And then you see it again, but you see it with Anakin. Right. And and you and and you get the sense that that what Obi-Wan says, the uh, he's not patient enough for a siege like it was so, so intelligently done and really, really satisfying. Yeah, I agree. I I, I loved it as a framing device, as you said, Shannon, I I really enjoyed the way it worked throughout the episode. And I thought that those were the highlights, as Michael said, the things they did really, really well. I thought they did really, really well as well. And certainly the framing device here works so well. And of course, there are other ways to fight right is something that uh, sir alec guinness a variation said in a new hope right uh, there are alternatives there are alternatives to fighting so this idea that it are kind of still echoing uh what we're going to see later it's on like poetry huh yeah it's like poetry it's like poetry it rhymes very well said um all right let's jump into this uh, let's jump into reva right off the bat i mean she's the first person i want to talk about i mean we see her uh, get what she wants she becomes the grand inquisitor it's pretty fast how she kind of rises up in the ranks here, but then I feel like you can do that. And of course, maybe you can argue that because they're going to turn on her at the end, they let her rise through the ranks so they could be in that position. Uh, we see that she's used uh, Lola to kind of track down what's going on here with the uh, with uh, Kenobi and with Leia and then shutting down uh, that uh, base so it can't let the ships out there. And then we see her arrive on Jabim. Uh, and then when Kenobi goes up to talk to her to try to kind of delay this whole situation, give them more time to maybe escape, then we hear through the metal door that Reva is actually a youngling, which all of us pretty much guessed. 
uh, and and is doing what she's doing not because she's turned to the dark side rather for for another reason which is she wants to kill vader because she remembers that anakin was the one that showed up and killed all her friends and really in a unsettling um connection to our real world she says how she covered herself in blood and hid away and we've heard from that 11 year old girl in uvalde uh, that who said the same thing that she covered herself in uh, her, her fellow classmates blood and played dead so she wouldn't be killed by that shooter so i found that to be a really powerful moment that i'm sure they didn't intend necessarily to connect to something that was so recent uh, but then we were here uh, also that uh, it, you know she blames kenobi for what happened here and doesn't want to take his help doesn't need his help she's going to do what she's going to do leads the attack with the stormtroopers then as after uh, vader rips that part uh, ship to pieces and gets psyched out she tries to kill Vader. They have an interesting duel, a fun duel for the most part, although there are elements that I thought some of the choreography of the show or the shooting of it by Deborah Chow maybe wasn't the best angles. But in the end, she's stabbed by Vader. The other Grand Inquisitor shows up, takes his uh, takes his badge back, leaves her with a comment about they're going to leave you in the gutter where we found you, and they inexplicably leave her alive. So talk to me, uh, Laura. You are a big, big, big Reva fan. So is Kenobi been a coming out party for Reva rather than a let's revisit with Kenobi uh, show here? Because it feels that way after this episode. What are your thoughts? It has for me. And I don't think a lot of people went into the show knowing it was going to be that way. And I am totally on board for it. And not a lot of people, uh, I think, agree with me, which is fine. <laughs> but um, as you said, I'm a huge Reva stan. This is the moment I've been waiting for. I wish I didn't have to wait this long because, as you said, we all predicted this is how this yeah. was going to go. Right. I think after like watching the first three episodes of this show, Alice and I were talking about, you know, like, what is this personal connection uh, between Obi-Wan and Reva? And I'm like, you know, she... She was probably there, saw Anakin, and she knew that Anakin was Obi-Wan's Padawan, and she probably blames Obi-Wan for the yeah. fact that Anakin was running around. And, like, and that's exactly what it was. It was a fairly predictable uh, outcome here. I just wish that we didn't have to wait until the la second to last episode to actually get to it. Um, but I really love everything that they did with Reva in this. I like how they sort of brought her into the flashbacks, too, and we see her, the poor young Reva with her oh. big, sad eyes, like, looking up at the camera like a sad puppy. It was just... The most pathetic, sad, but cute thing. Um, and, you, and, you know, just we all had to relive Order 66 yet again, all over again. And it's, you know, that heart wrenching moment that we always that I really enjoy. But it's just brutal every single time we have to see it. Um, but I, I think the thing that really struck out with me or stuck out to me about Reva in this episode in particular was sort of how her story kind of rhymed a little bit with Tala's. We saw, mm. you know, Tala talk about how, like, you know, I saw this horrific thing happening and I had a choice to make while I was standing at a crossroads if I, I could lean into it or I could try and do something about it. And she ended up turning her back on the Empire and going with the good guys. And Reva kind of went the opposite way. She saw this horrific thing happen and, you know, whatever other circumstances led to it, she ended up turning to the dark side and becoming an Inquisitor. So the fact that their stories are kind of this weird mirror image of each other was really intriguing to me. I really like how they took the time to sort of connect Reva, not only to Vader, not only to Obi-Wan, but also to this character, Tala, who we did not get near enough of, sadly. Um, but overall, Sons of I really... Bitches. Yeah, I'm yeah, mad that Tala For real. Oh, I was so mad, so mad. Anyway, we'll get yeah. to Yeah, but we all knew it was coming, right? Like, we all kind of predicted last episode, like, she's not going to get out of this show. You all show. did. I, like... was, I was holding out hope, but y'all told me I was wrong, and 
You were right on that oh, one. Sadly, we were right. But yeah, it, this was a, for me, this was a huge Reeve episode, and I really appreciated that. So I think probably one of the many reasons this was my favorite episode we've had so far. <laughs> Fair enough. Thoughts, Shannon, on how, thoughts, Shannon, on how they handled Reva through the episode. Moses Ingram's performance here, really getting a lot to do. Finally, a lot of scenery to chew, a lot of dialogue to speak. Seeing the changes in her status throughout, from beginning as the Grand Inquisitor to ending up as a stabbed former uh, third sister there, lying on the ground, uh, getting information about Luke and Leia and Anakin, but still on the ground and left for dead. So thoughts about how the journey went with her throughout this episode and what you thought of Moses Ingram's performance as well in this episode. I mean, Moses Ingram's performance was the highlight of this, of this section. I thought she did a really, really nice job. And I really liked that scene between her and Obi-Wan in between, you know, in between that door. Like I was like this, see, this is really, really strong stuff. Again, I think she's been the best when she, has those more quiet, introspective moments. I think when she has to get big and she has to get loud, it doesn't always come off as convincing. Um, but I mean, I will retract that for the, this episode when they're trying to, when they're the stormtroopers have that you know, that cannon and, and that you know light them up, light, like that. That I thought all worked really, really well. The thing with Ken, the connection with Kenobi, I feel like that could have been a little stronger because it's like yeah. I get that. Okay, he was Obi Wan's um master yeah but it's like that doesn't totally connect for me it's you like I, I think was, i want obi-wan's padawans what you're saying is that what you're saying anakin was obi-wan's padawan yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. the fact that anakin did this horrible thing she wants revenge on anakin and she sort of tangentially blames obi-wan or she's used obi using obi-wan as bait to get to anakin um and i think that part of the story presents a lot of questions it's like okay I think if it had been established, like she'd never, like she'd never seen Vader, like the opportunities to get to Vader are so few and far between. That's just, that's just something that hasn't really been established. Mm. And again, like, I don't get, is it like a, a genuine hate for Obi-Wan or is he just a means to an end? And it, it seems like it's both, but it's, but it's also neither. That part of the writing I thought was not as strong. Like I would have, I would have liked a little more clarity. Um, the duel with Vader, I actually liked because okay. it, you just get the sense that he is toying with her. Like she is so not in the, in the ballpark of where she should be to try and take on this dark Lord of the Sith. So the fact that he didn't even use a lightsaber for the first half, I really enjoyed that. And once he did kind of stab her, I mean, it was, you know, that was heartbreaking because you finally get where this character has been coming from. Like, you know, you get, it's, it's the field of dreams. Like you're this close to achieving your goal. And then you watch it, you watch it walk by. Um, I don't know why Vader wouldn't have gone for the kill shot. Yeah, <laughs> and like Vice kind of stab her in the stomach. And also the fact that the Grand Inquisitor was kind of hiding behind the scenes. Like, should I make my entrance? Should I make my entrance? Should I make my entrance? <laughs> like that reveal was a little like, I get what they wanted to do, but that reveal was, aha, and here I am. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> that I thought from a, I, I don't know how you direct that better. So I'll put that on the writing. I thought that that was a little weak. Um, but overall, Reva with Moses Ingram, I thought, you know, this was, this was, uh, for the most part, very satisfying. Fair enough. Uh, Mike, they put her through the ringer in this episode, for sure, as I said, from top to the bottom uh, by the end. But certainly getting these quieter moments, getting these louder moments, showing her power, showing her strength, 
wanting, I mean, a lot of similarities to Anakin going in head first, rage filled, seeking vengeance, wanting to prove herself. There's so much that is that has connective tissues to Anakin's Vader here with Reva, except Reva thinks she's on the good side, even though these characteristics are there that are very reminiscent of a Sith Lord on the bad side that she wants to kill. What did you think of how they handled Reva in this episode and Moses Ingram's performance? Um, I agree with both Laura and Shannon, pretty much, oh, uh, oh. across the board on all of it. Like, I think she did a great job. Uh, I think she is a very interesting character. I, and I think I said this last week, like, I kind of felt like when the big reveal happened, when Obi-Wan was like, you were the youngling, it's like, well, since we've all known that since episode one, for the most part, it didn't have the shock, it didn't have the surprise. Mm. Um, and even the fact that she actually really wanted to kill Vader, I mean, I think we even discussed that a few weeks ago as a potential possibility. Yes, so I think yes. that I think that um, the reveal didn't pack the punch that it did. Now, is that their fault or is it just that's what happens because we're all nerds and we all talk about Star Wars incessantly and like theories are going like, to like, you know, it's, it's hard to do a big surprise in Star Wars today. So they get a little bit of a leeway with that. But I think that when you like Reva in terms of broad strokes is great. Like the youngling who saw Anakin kill her friends and vowed revenge and kind of leaned into the dark side for it. And she's come here at this moment. And then Obi-Wan kind of like is like, I'm going to deliver him to you. And then she has this duel. Like, it's all great. It's in the specific details, kind of like what Shan was saying, where it's like, could have been stronger. Like, what exactly was this point? Like, why now? Like, why does she need Obi-Wan? Like, mm -hmm. I'm assuming she's been around Vader. Like, because all she really does at the end is, like, run up behind him and be like, ha-ha! So she probably could have done that at other times. Like, why now? Like, what was the Obi-Wan of it all? Like, what did she yeah. think she was going to do? Or how did Obi-Wan, like, if there had been a bit more of a plan, like, even when they had that really great conversation between the two of them where he was like, I'm, he's not, he's not coming for me. I'm bringing him here for you, which was a great right. bit. But then she let him go back into the mines with the two stormtroopers to get away. But how does that really get her close to Vader? Like, had there been a little bit more of a strategy, a little bit more of a plan to all this? Like, everything that happened was cool. Like, I don't think they needed to go change everything. But if we had been in on what was going on a bit more, I yeah. think it would have made Reva's moment more impactful. Like, had she really thought she had the upper hand and had we kind of thought, Oh, like she and Obi Wan, this is really smart. Yeah. Obviously, we're all pretty clear on the fact that she's not going to beat Vader. But if we had been like, oh, this could be, this is going to be really interesting, and then Vader turns around and is like, ah, I knew this the whole lot. Like, there's just everything that happened was good, but it could have been done a bit more eloquently, a bit stronger, and I think it would have hit even harder. And it already hit great because the performances were great and the broad strokes were great. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I I think agree with snippets of everything all three of you have said for sure. I like Moses Ingram's performance. I think they finally gave a, a good actress something to really sink her teeth into, and she delivered. I think Shannon's right. The quieter moments between her and Kenobi, that's one of the best uh, dark side is actually light side reveals I've seen in quite some time. Uh, I forget homie's name in Rebels who made the switch. I, I didn't buy that David Oyelowo's character. I didn't buy his switch quite as powerfully. I liked the way that the just the way they shot her and that she's down and looking, you can see, and then the flashbacks to seeing the things that she saw. Seeing and it was great to see Hayden Christensen in that blue light of anger under the hood, seeing the older Hayden that carried a little more weight to a little more evilness to it that I thought was really great to see. 
but I agree with you, Mike. The specificity was missing a little bit because, right, why blow it now in this moment when really, he, as he's distracted by taking down the ships, that's the moment to strike, you know? Or even that's how the second ship escapes Darth Vader's grip is that she attacks him as he's about to stop yeah. the second ship. So then that makes sense that Kenobi being on the second ship is what she needed as bait to distract him. And she could get a shot in, but not necessarily a kill shot or a hard shot. And he's able to at least be a little bit uh, taken aback and then boom, 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 ha handle his situation. I don't know, because you want Vader also to be one step ahead of everybody else. That's the mystique of Darth Vader. So somewhere in the middle, maybe they could have figured that out in a way. Uh, that would have worked uh, overall because it does seem odd that she just blow it. It's even more odd that they left her alive. There's no way this guy's killing yeah. younglings, but he's going to leave her alive. I just, that seems so odd to me, unless there's a reason to this that, you know, he left her alive because of her determination, her anger, her desire to get back at him. There is still something he can use her for down the road and take advantage of her aggressiveness as Obi-Wan took advantage of his aggressiveness in this episode. Possibly. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. There's, but yeah, maybe. There's, I don't know. Yeah, good. there's a really good thing. Like you, there's a script exercise that you can do on your own scripts, particularly you can do it on other people's scripts, but like, it's really good to do it to your own because when you're writing something, you know what you need the characters to do. Like, right. you know, you need this character to be alive for the episode, or you need this character to kiss this person, or you need this character to do that. So sometimes when you're writing, you subconsciously do little cheats. Yeah. A character just survives because or this person walks away because because you need it. So going through a script and going with each character, like what do they want and reading and making sure that they are doing everything they can do within their power to make that happen. And then when you get to a point like we got to in this episode where Riva is lying there, uh, you know, with a lightsaber through the through the gut and the Grand Inquisitor and Darth Vader walk away, you would go, huh? They probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. Unless there's some other <laughs> double cross down the road, they probably wouldn't do that. And then you kind of like come up with some solution. You know, something happens. There's an explosion. She rolls off a cliff, like whatever it is. Right. And then, the, you know, like there's there, so there's ways you do that. And I do think that, again, this is where I think the Obi-Wan series on the whole um, falters a bit is that a lot of times characters are doing things and you're like, ah, well, they, OK, they needed to do this because and you let it right. slide because the broad, the broad strokes are so good. But I think that uh, the whole series could use a little bit of a, you know, to Laura's point. OK, well, he probably should have put on that stormtrooper armor and then none of this would have happened. So how do we get rid of this stormtrooper armor so we can't? So there's a lot of those moments throughout. <laughs> yeah, I think a couple of more episodes maybe would have helped the series. This idea of six is driving me nuts a little bit because you're, you're introducing too much to try to shove it into six. And if you're going to have eight or seven and two of those episodes are Mandalorian episodes, that really doesn't help you either. So they've got to figure out how to tell tighter storytelling uh, because that's what people are going to appreciate more than you being an expansive story within six episodes that introduces all these characters and all these systems and all these situations, but doesn't give enough time for these characters to breathe. I would have loved an entire episode of Reva exploring what she did from childhood to get to falling in with uh, the inquisitors and becoming an inquisitor and seeing the horrible stuff she endured and committed in order to get into this position to go after Vader and then wondering if it was all worth it as she's lying there stabbed by Vader on the ground. That's a more interesting, compelling character to, uh, journey to send a character like this on and especially to give a character like, uh, sorry, an actress like Moses Ingram, uh, uh, you know, to do, give her something, give her this to do. It would be great to see. Uh, but let's move on to Jabim and Kenobi. 
Um, things are getting dire on Jabin. Things are getting crazy. Kenobi sees uh, that, uh, you know, the mission that they went on to rescue Princess Leia delayed. Everybody else getting off. <sighs> I get I so mad when I see stuff like that. And everything is getting pushed back now. So all these people are in danger now to save Leia because of what Kenobi wanted to do. We see him looking at stuff on the walls, the Jedi stuff on the walls. We'll get to those Easter eggs in a little bit but we see maybe those are the last records or whatever and of course we're sensing overall that order 66 is all over this thing and kenobi and roken uh, rally the forces when they hear that uh, you know vader is coming with reba uh, to uh, get them uh, squared away to uh, stop the empire coming after them and buying them enough time to get their systems back online because lola has disabled the systems and only leia only leia can climb up there and save the day uh, no one else is small enough, apparently, but uh, she climbs up in there, uh, eventually disables Lola and finds that little tracker quite easily and saves the day here, gets the thing open. And then we see Obi-Wan kind of sneak off and take this message from Bail Organa on the holo projector, who is telling him, hey, haven't heard from you. I'm a little concerned. It's been a while. Is my daughter alive or dead? Uh, so all of this and said he's going to head on off to Tatooine to defend Luke and to talk to Owen about the situation. Uh, so we see that come into play later on when uh, uh, Hosh drops the uh, the holo projector there and uh, Reva reads it. Um, and then later on, we see aboard the transport that Kenobi feels this disturbance in the force, for the lack of a better term, because of Reva seeing what's on the holo projector uh, and, uh, and might put Luke in danger. We also lose Tala in the battle here with the um with the stormtroopers and really ned b man another droid oh. goes down in defense i think i felt more for the loss of ned b than i did tala even though i love tala i didn't want her to go ned b's death was devastating shots fired so, uh, <laughs> shannon maybe as the big loader dude i felt that connection a little bit more than tala so you talk to me, Shannon. What's your feeling on, on this, everything that happened on Jabim uh, with Kenobi and with Broken and the group there and the way they handled things with Leia and, of course, uh, at the end or, and the passing of Tala and uh, uh, Ned B, I guess. Yeah. So, again, those broad strokes, I thought everything was really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get it's funny because, you know, you talk about how the this this giant group of people didn't get to leave because Leia, because, you know, they took the ship to go find Leia. But there's a second ship. So it <laughs> immediately flies off. That's true. So, so that's one of those things like, okay, again, just for clarity's sake, you talk about how this one just got, you know, there, there are just little one-line fixes mm. that you can do that, um, th that, that can address those issues. And, you know, a lot of people probably don't notice them. Um, and that's just because, you know, I've written under the iron fist of Michael Vogel. So there are, you know, these are all things. <laughs> these are things that I have learned to, you know, try to try to uh, address in my own writing. Um, the moment where Roken gets back and he's just like, we got her. And this crowd's like, whoa, I'm like, wait, did they know? Yeah. <laughs> like this, this, this really, this yeah. information really hasn't been communicated. Has it like, do they care? Like, great. Some random, some random rich kid is, is safe. Now we can go. Um, so I didn't think that was awesome, but O'Shea Jackson Jr. Um, who, again, I, I talked about last week, like I've not always been a big fan of his work. I liked him in Straight Outta Compton. He's doing awesome here. Mm -hmm. And I it's agree. such a shame that it's an underwritten role because you get the sense that he could really 
deli- like he's delivering so much with such small moments that if you again with these episodes like i don't actually think you need more episodes mm. i think you just need to flesh out the ones that you have because if you're okay. on average clocking in at 40 to 45 minutes it's like take another 15 minutes take another 10 minutes like you can do so much you can do so much with that little bit of time um to the kumail issue who yeah. i'm going to start to call the stakes sucker oh wow um, anytime he shows up it's immediately whatever dire situation we're in it it, it that those stakes vanish you're not I wrong mean, <laughs> i, I mean it, they totally vanish and part of it might be the way that character is written part of it's the performance but also i think he's doing what they're telling him to do and it's like you know what let's let's see a kumail performance where he's not yucking it up um you know they they talk about when uh i think it's right in the aftermath of of tala's death like is leia almost done and like the, the shots on kenobi and like it's this slow motion shot it's very dramatic you can hear roken ask is she almost done leia you almost done i'm like what the hell like that is such a bad take (laughs) so again not totally blaming kumail nanjiani uh i think it's just i think they made some mistakes with that character i think there was probably a better way to do it to tala who what again she is the mvp for me like she brings so much gravity and so much weight to her sequences that moment when she's talking with Kenobi about rounding up these families every single supporting character should have had that moment and because maybe then you feel maybe you feel a little bit more for Wade if we if we find out something (laughs) but that moment where you know she goes you know she gets she gets hit and Ned B had some great freaking action moments. You see him shoving those stormtroopers, throwing the one up under the ceiling. Um, uh, uh, and then, like, his sort of last act as a droid is, yes, he's mm. being shot. He's covering Tala. Mm. It's like, oh, my gosh. He's literally get, he's doing the Arnie from Terminator 2. Like, he he's literally covering John Connor. Bang, bang, bang. And then you see that. Well, can't get me worked up. Yeah. <laughs> you see you know I mean? take out that thermal detonator and may the force be with you oh my gosh that's such a powerful moment like that the whole action scene like I've, I've read some online critique and i don't think everyone's completely wrong here that close quarters shooting like it's a little it's a little difficult to uh not stomach it's a little difficult to believe because you have people with blasters and they're five feet away from each other for me i'm like this is the okay corral like this is this is like it may not have been shot the best but i actually liked what they did here i like that close quarters combat um when they go into the hand-to-hand some of that fight choreography it's a little sloppy um and like like tala had a moment where she you know pops a pops a stormtrooper in the open hand pops a stormtrooper in the helmet and it's like i don't think that would have quite had the effect that that the stuntman is selling um but but so those moments i didn't think entirely worked but the conclusion of that that self-sacrifice that she made like that was incredible like indira varma is such an amazing performer and I hope uh, in the States we get to see more of her now. That's the definition of doing a lot with a little. And that's why you cast, when you're lucky to cast someone like Indira Varma, 
um, you are so blessed to see what she can do in the limited amount of time. And so that scene with Kenobi, then pulling out the pulling out her blaster and showing what she's doing to make up for the four families that were killed and the children that were killed in her presence, like all of that carries so much weight. Yep. Um, but it's connected to her first introduction, talking to Kobe, talking about the path, talking all the stuff that was going on there. You be- you believed her from the beginning. And so when she has that sacrifice moment, right, it was very reminiscent of Rogue One, that moment. There's a lot yeah. of reminiscent stuff throughout this whole uh, season uh, to other um, uh, films, for sure. Even it's like, you- it's like poetry. It's like poetry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could even argue Last Jedi. They're all like stationed in this one place, fighting off as the Empire is coming. There's, you could even argue uh, some Hoth. of that. Uh, huh? Oh, yeah. A lot of Hoth vibes. Hoth. Hoth, a lot well. of Hoth, yeah, Hoth vibes. As well. Both Crate and Hoth. Um, is it wrong that I want to write Ned B L337 uh, f- fan fiction? I, I, I kind of want to put them together as a couple and write fan fiction about it. Maybe in the past. I would commission that. Yeah, I, I, thank yeah. you. I think in the past they might have hung on. Ned B had to say, you know what? I got to go. I love you, but I got to go. I got to do he's this. The, he's the strong, silent type. Right. He does. Mm-hmm. And L respects it, but it breaks her heart. The only droid she ever really loved. Um, yeah. <laughs> Michael, talk to me about what happened here on Jabim. Talk to me about the sacrifice of Tala and yeah. how Kenobi kind of coordinates yeah. all of this with Roken and Leia's contribution as well. Well, I will say uh, Shannon is correct uh, in that if Shannon had turned this script into me, I would have read it. <laughs> I would have read it and I would have said, okay, wait. So why didn't all the other people on Jabim leave? And he's like, well, they were waiting for them to come back. Right. But what about the other ship? What other ship? Well, there's two ships at the end. Uh huh. So why didn't they use that to leave? Well, uh, you know that was uh, they were they were doing some construction on it. Okay, well maybe you should write that in the script. <laughs> like that. That is a hundred percent. I was sitting there and I'm like, I don't know about that. Um, so yes, I do think uh, I echo. I think I think on this on on a lot of the specificity. I'm completely on board uh, with Shannon. Like, why this giant crowd was so invested in Leia? Uh, where, where, if anything, they should have been like, "Ugh, we all had to wait because of her." Like, there's a lot of the you just get wrapped up in the momentum, and you're like, oh, "I feel like this isn't quite exactly the way it should work." Um, as far as Kamal Nanjiani goes, like, I, there is a way that you can be humorous in tense situations. Yeah. I think in Clone Wars and Rebels, Hondo Tanaka is a classic prime oh example God. of yes. you can be in the middle of a super intense moment and Hondo can say something and you were like, I fucking love that guy. Um, <laughs> Kumal Nagiani is not doing that. So I think I think Shannon is right there too. I think that... Um, Ezra! So, yeah. uh, Ezra Bridger! <laughs> hey! <laughs> but... Uh, I think that what I did like about this episode is I liked that without having some huge moment about it, uh, Kenobi stepped up to the plate in kind of the role that he used to play a little bit. Like, we've we've seen him sort of struggling with things. We've seen him sort of not sure where he fits in. We've seen him totally freaked out by the return of Vader. But here, he kind of steps up. He gives that speech. He's like, we can do this, guys. We're going to figure this out. And I thought yeah. that was really nice. So I think his moments, as we've said throughout, like Ewan McGregor is just like nailing this. Um, and for anybody that thought that he didn't get to do all that we hoped he could have done in the prequels playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think you are getting that um, in spades here. Like he really is, he, he really has a lot of emotion to really, really sink into. Um, and I think a lot of that emotion in at least the past couple of episodes has come from Tala. Like I think his scenes with Tala are great because as Shannon said, she is an MVP and you really get to see these two play really, really well off of each other. 
Um, I, I I think the close quarters battle, definitely reminiscent of Hoth, uh, was really good. But again, I think with with more specificity about what was happening, like I think if you had really seen some of these uh, people on Jabin go down harder, I think if you had really seen the stormtroopers actually have some solid aim at five feet away, um, you know, like I think we could have made it feel more tragic, feel more intense, like really feel more visceral. And I think that would have made things feel good. All that being said, Tala sacrificed great. And yeah, Ned B, like that when he when he kneeled down in front of her, I'm kind of with Johnny. I think that Tala's death kind of happened so suddenly and wasn't shot particularly, again, eloquently. We saw that and we saw it coming. We saw it coming. We saw it coming. But Ned B, like slow motion, sort of coming around and sitting down in front of her. Um, and as far as being reminiscent of anything, and I've seen other people say this on Twitter today, like already when they were like sealing off the base, my brother and I were like, oh yeah, this feels like aliens. This feels like aliens when they're really sealing things off to keep the aliens out. So when Ned B gets in front of her and she holds up that thermal detonator, I just looked at my brother and I was like, you always were an asshole, Gorman. Because she totally went out like Vasquez. It was a total Vasquez moment. It was. It was. Um, like to the point where I'm like, somebody really likes aliens. I don't know if it's Deborah Chow, but somebody oh. really, really likes aliens. Yeah. Um, Jamie Harrell, who wrote the who wrote the, the, yeah. the episode, uh, and Mike Newt is essentially Leia hiding out in the vents. I mean, you could yeah. in there too. Yeah. Anything more? So to yeah, I think. Look. Yeah. Again, like in all of this, like I think that the broad strokes of this were fantastic, and I do think that if you had gone through that script and been like, "Oh, let's tweak this a little bit," and it's and all and all of it, just to be clear to anybody who's like, "Oh, why are you nitpicking?" Like, nitpicking because it's the fine tuning. Like, they have a good story here. Like, when we get all done with this, however next week ends, we're all going to come out of this, and when we talk about the broad strokes of Obi Wan being pulled into this and the third sister who used to be a youngling and really wanted to kill Vader and Vader doing what he did and this Vader cat and mouse thing with Obi Wan where they really kind of knew each other, like broad strokes, we're going to love to talk about this stuff. Yeah, and it's in these little details that like these minor little changes, these minor little tweaks that would have like elevated it to a whole other level. And I say that as someone who's really enjoying the ride that we're on right now. Right, fair enough. From good to great, that's the difference. Yeah. Those little tweaks are the difference between good and great. And listen, and I want to tell some people because some people have made these comments. It's a review, and a review's job is to analyze and break down to the nitty gritty what is going on in a show. Just because you're pointing out some nitpicky stuff or some things that didn't hundred percent work, doesn't mean you don't overall like it. It's about making it better, right? Look, you can point out things wrong with your family or your friends. You don't hate them, do you? You're just saying, hey, if you worked on this, you could be good to great. Yeah, fair enough. You could be good to great though if you worked on this. And there's the difference. Just like they say to you, if you worked on this, you can be good to great. There's possibilities. So that's that's what a review is for, ladies and gentlemen. I've just seen recently some comments like, why are you guys so hateful? And you we're breaking it down. There's a difference. Laura Kelly, Jabim, a lot going on here. Um, uh, talk to me about what you felt about how they handled things on this planet as the guys have brought up certain points here as well. What are your thoughts on how Tala's sacrifice went down? Ned B, Obi-Wan's inspirational speech, although quick, but inspirational. Roken's role in all of this, the people's role in all of this, uh, and Leia sneaking into those vents, taking care of business there with Lola. Well, I love Leia's sneaking into the fence because that's, a, you know, that was a very common tactic used in Star Wars animation, particularly in Star Wars Rebels. We were crawling into vents a lot, uh, true. Um, trying to sneak around the Empire. So I, I appreciated that little detail just for that. Um, I wanted to ask, was it one of you guys on this show, because I couldn't remember, that just hates Trandoshans? Which one of you is Ooh, that? I don't think it was us. Not us? Okay. Show. There's I'm some not, show I was... <laughs> I am not a uh, speciesist. 
I mean, that's good. See, it's good to not be that way. Somebody I talked to recently was talking about how much they hate trained oceans, and I was like, oh, they must have real enjoyed that little uh, cameo that that family of trained oceans got in this. But (laughs) beside the point, um, I really enjoyed Obi Wan's speech in this. You know, it was quick, but it was really giving. uh, You know, he's saying they're stronger, they're better equipped, they're better trained. It's giving a lot of we're outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned, (laughs) enhanced vibes. And I was 100% on board for it from the beginning, just for that. And I love that we've seen this character growth in him from Episode One. I mean, when he's hanging out on Tatooine, and he won't even help his like co-worker at this work site who's like gets half of his pay cut for no reason at all like and now he's standing up and he's being that general again i love that journey that we went on to finally get to this point i think that that just it works really well for obi-wan's story and i'm really excited to see where they end it i'm really curious because i'm like we know he has to end up back on tatooine but like now he's seen all this so can we at least maybe imply that he's going to be helping out with all of this path network in the future i don't know i would like to see that i'm fully on board to just be along for the ride and see where they take us but i'm really curious as to like where they're leading with this where are we ultimately going to leave this character besides doing this ultimate showdown with vader which sounds like it's inevitable um but i think that's for the most part though his journey so far has been really great we had a lot less leia in this episode but i like what we got um I think she, yeah, she's rhyming a lot with Ezra uh, early season one and season mm. two of Rebels. Also, we got the call out of uh, Garel, which is another planet featured in Star Wars Rebels. Um, <laughs> so I'm loving these little Easter eggs that we got. Tala and Ned B are giving a lot of uh, Cassian and um, K2 vibes. I'm like, Cassian was this one uh, character we got for yeah. like two hours in a movie. Like we had so little of him and now we're getting this whole 24 episode series of him i'm like that's kind of something like i wouldn't be opposed to seeing that with tala because this journey she's been on sounds like it's been really interesting yeah. and i wouldn't be opposed to seeing more their their characters were sort of very similar to me uh and i i, I just would like to i think be on a longer journey with her we all knew it was going to be quick we all knew she probably wasn't going to survive this series but i wouldn't mind going back and seeing what came before yeah fair enough and giving a little background here on jabim the planet of jabim as i'm looking at some references here it's from uh, the it's uh, this is legend stuff that they've kind of brought into now canon, um, and it's a uh, it's a reference to the comics that were published in the early two thousands by Dark Horse. Uh, the story begins in Star Wars Republic number fifty five, uh, which was also called the Raymaker by Hayden Blackman and Brian Ching, and then issues fifty five through fifty nine were collected into a trade paperback called Star Wars Clone Wars Volume Three: Last Stand on Jabim. And this planet is essentially uh, uh, going through the civil war within themselves as well with the separatists and the, and the uh, uh, Republic there. In the comics, by the time the Clone Wars have begun, the Congress of Jabim is taken over by the planet's nationalist faction. Um, Kenobi is sent in with Anakin, who is a, still his Padawan, uh, to kind of help uh, out uh, the, uh, the loyalists there to the Republic uh, when the separatists start to grow in power. And then eventually Obi-Wan is supposedly killed. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Clone Wars. Uh, supposedly killed. And um, Anakin is thrown in with the other Padawans whose Jedi masters have been killed. And then by the end, um, he thinks Obi-Wan is dead. All the other Jedi are dead. It's left up to him to decide if they're going to take off with the clones and the rest of his army or let the clones sit and bring the loyalists uh, onto the ship and he decides to take the clones and leaves the loyalists there on Jabim and takes off, which is a pretty huge decision that Anakin's made. So the irony that they're back 
again, Obi-Wan and Anakin on Jabim for this episode is really interesting. So there's a lot more obviously involved and that goes on in the stories, but that's pretty much the summation of Jabim's connection here. So now this Legends thing, just like Thrawn and so many other things have brought, been brought into canon here in Star Wars. So fascinating to see what they pick and choose to use and the symbolism and connections that they have uh, here back in Legends and then now into canon. So, um, and, and let's talk about that ending. What do we think about that ending? Vogel, what's going on here? Um, what do, why does Obi-Wan sense the disturbance in the Force? Does he sense that uh, Reva is going to head to Tatooine to try to lure Vader there? Is she going to have a final confrontation with Vader there? Is it going to be Reva and Kenobi versus Vader? What do you? Why does he sense the disturbance? Why does he sense there's danger for Luke in this situation? Well, it's going to be. Well, first I just want to say, just off the, despite the uh, double ship issue, Vader bringing a ship down and like ripping that wall open was my favorite awesome. part of the episode. I just Absolutely. want to be real, real clear on that. Yeah. Um, holy shit, it was great. Um, but yeah, I think that you know this is really interesting because we're getting up to the end of this, and whether we get more Obi Wan Kenobi after this or not. Um, there's a couple things, and look, they have over, like, we were wondering where the Grand Inquisitor was, we now know where the Grand Inquisitor was. We were wondering how Reva knew that Anakin was Darth Vader, asked and answered. But Darth Vader really, really can't know yeah. that Obi-Wan Kenobi's been hanging out on Tatooine, and that, like, 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 there's a couple things here, and so, Bail Organa giving, you know, like, Reva got just enough information to know that there's something really important with Owen on Tatooine. And we know from the uh, early episode that she knows who Owen is. So where Reva's story is going to wind up is going to be really, really interesting. And how, you know, and what Obi-Wan Kenobi knows and how it goes. Because I'm assuming and I'm hoping that we do get one more big final confrontation between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. We damn well better. We damn right. well better, dude. She said it I was don't... A, a rematch for the ages. That's what Kathleen Kennedy said, so. And I don't think that that can happen on Tatooine. That would be unless unless they leave unless they really sell me on Darth Vader thinks that Obi Wan Kenobi is dead and just leaves. Like like you know like so it's like there I'm, I'm really curious because it was really cool to kind of bring Luke back into this. Like we spent so much time with Leia now that you know this realization now Luke is the one in danger because Leia is kind of out of danger and Kenobi kind of sensing that something is off, something's not right. Um, him kind of dropping back into being a part of the force is really good. But, you know, I think that how they wrap all this up is going to be really, really, th this is the big challenge of Star Wars and the way they tell stories, which is we love that they fill in the gaps, but filling in the gaps, you have to really walk a tightrope. And I think the ending of this is going to be really, really interesting. Okay. Uh, Laura, thoughts on this ending here? What do you think it means? What do you anticipate? we might be seeing here in uh, in the sixth episode connected to this ending. You know, I'm not sure what I anticipate. What I hope is that we're gonna get like a redemption story for Reva. I don't think it's coming. <laughs> I want it so badly. I want it to be, you know, she found out that there's some youngling on Tatooine and now she wants to maybe go try it and help, but that's not it. I know it's not it. I know that she's angry and we're gonna have to see where that takes us. Um, but I think, you know, for the most part, a lot of time, a lot of this, she's she's justified in her anger. I mean, given what happened to her and what's happened to her up to this point, like, I'd be angry too. Maul was too angry to die, and now apparently so is she, because she has not been stabbed <laughs> twice 
and she is still with <laughs> that's us. True. And that's I don't right. understand. I'm like, I'm thinking it's just I'm flashing to our flag means death, where they're just like, you have to just get stabbed where it doesn't matter, like you have to avoid the, yeah. the right <laughs> organs. And like someone's doing that. Vader's doing that for her. So he must have been a pirate at some point. Yeah. Good for him. But no, I my hopes around all of the how all of this is gonna end is all centered around Reva and just wanting her to be okay <laughs> and i just know she's not going to be okay unfortunately but i think when we're going to see this i think we are going to get another showdown between obi-wan and can in uh in anakin i think that we've we've kind of built that up quite a bit at this point and i think that we've got to bring that back around um so i think that's inevitable i'm also kind of hoping that the last episode's like two hours long that's also too oh, much to oh, ask oh, oh, but that would be really nice to be able to wrap what up. what do you think this stories. is stranger things yeah, i know right? come on i ask too much i know that <laughs> um i'll be curious to see if we get more helicopter uh lightsabers because that seems to really ignite something in people <laughs> that there's a lot of anger around those for some reason i think they're funny um but i think one of the things that we saw a lot in this episode was, um, you know, in getting our sort of multiple duels was kind of getting to see how people have learned and progressed. And mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me a lot of like the Maul Kenobi duel on Tatooine in season three of Rebels where, we, you know, we kind of learned like Maul never learned. He no. tries to use that same move on Obi-Wan to take him out that he used to kill Qui-Gon, but Obi-Wan learned and he adapted and that's how he's able to be successful and we're seeing in these flashback you know scenes with vader that vader has learned he has adapted he knows how to fight without his weapon all he needed was the force on his side for the first half of his duel with reva before he did ultimately bring the the saber into it but it was it was just really interesting to kind of get to see how we're we're kind of filling in these characters in this time yeah. period we really don't have a whole lot about so i i'm excited to see where they end it and if they're going to leave it open-ended for a potential season two of this limited series i mean we're hearing rumors of a spinoff and it would be great to see i think obi-wan doing something besides just sitting on tatooine that's what we were all hoping i think the show wouldn't just be him sitting on tatooine and we got it let's keep the momentum going because i feel like they would all be on board be like I don't know. Ewan seems to be having a good time. Him and Reva and uh, and yeah. Anakin all on the press tour together. They all seem to enjoy themselves. So keep it going. Yeah, Shannon, thoughts on the ending here? And uh, do you think it's going to? What do you think is going to connect up to in uh, in episode six? Is why does Kenobi sense a disturbance? Why are we shooting at? Why are we seeing a shot of Luke? Uh, you know, in the fetal position on his pillow asleep. What is the what is the point of this ending? I have no idea. <laughs> because uh, because the moment that he's like, I sent a disturbance to the force, Reva's looking at the message from Bail Organa, yeah. we see Luke. It's like, okay, Vader and Vader doesn't know to go there. So I, I don't know what, what's gonna happen. I mean, at this point, the the ship has gotten away. My presumption is that a chase is going to ensue because that next duel. If there is a next duel, I think they said two. Technically, yeah. this episode that was a duel between Anakin oh. and Obi Wan. Oh my God! I hope that's. Oh my God! That that will be that will be <sighs> that will be a crime if that is the one she was talking about. Ah! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, right now I don't know because my guess is is similar to to Vogel's. Like it can't be on Tatooine. Like that yeah. that. That doesn't line it's up. Too much sand. There's yeah. no way. Too much sand. Yeah, it, it, sand. it gets. It he gets hates sand. <laughs> well, we know. I mean, here's what we know. We know that the hyperdrive on that ship is busted. 
It is. Mm -hmm. And that they're being chased by an Imperial Star Destroyer. Mm -hmm. So we know that that's happening. So we know, aside from like Reva knowing what she knows, and I am assuming Reva is going to go to Tatooine. Uh, like Reva's not reporting into Vader anymore. Like that's clearly done. So Reva's just a free agent. Now, why she would choose to go to Tatooine, what she thinks she's going to get out of this information, TBD. But I'm assuming that Reva, like if you just look at the momentum, Reva's information would lead her to Tatooine. Meanwhile, you've got Leia and a bunch of civilians on this ship being chased by an Imperial Star Destroyer with Darth Vader on it. Um, so maybe Obi-Wan has to fight Vader and get away to go. Like, like, like there's... Maybe it's an Imperial Star Destroyer fight that we see. I don't know. You know, she said a fight for the ages. And certainly going back in flashbacks and having them mentally duel um, could fit that definition. So you've really messed me up now. Ed, me up. <laughs> I mean, that friend. fight that we got in episode three, that was that was a fight. That was an ass whooping <laughs> for, the ages. for the ages. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is going to turn out right now. I'm really curious. I mean, despite, I will tell you despite, this. despite nitpicks, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited, but I will tell you this. Yeah. If next week they pull one of those tricks where it looks like the ship is destroyed and Obi-Wan gets away and Darth Vader just thinks he's dead and like flies off. I think there's going to be a lot of mad people. Yeah. People were very upset that he left Reva alive. I think it has to be for a reason. So I want to hold out hope that it, there's a reason for it. Um, but here's a possibility. Reva now knows that Anakin, uh, that sorry, that Luke is Anakin's son. Does she though? I, I mean, she necessarily knows that. There's a connection. How here does she know she, that? Well, she hears, right? Doesn't she hear? Well, you got to protect the kids or whatever. I don't want she him only, to it's know. A it, the thing is busted. She only hears very specific bits of info. Like there's a okay. reason she doesn't get that whole message. Do you remember? So do I don't think she, I, she hears. Uh, um, if if he's found you, if he's learned of the children, all head to Tatooine. Owen, Owen. help okay. the boy, and if that's all they. That's all they got. If he's learned of the children, so that if could he's found you, if he's learned of the children, that that could be any children. Could it? Could any right, children? Could be any Four children. sensitive children. Right. He could. I mean, I, I don't think it'll be too much of a leap in logic to think it's Anakin. She could assume it's Anakin. So anything either is she that she's going there to protect the children. Or she's going there to kill the children uh, uh, to get back at uh, Anakin if he finds out if she finds out that Anakin is the the father of these kids. I don't know, you know. So just throwing out all kinds of possibilities here. I mean, I no she could just as easily think they're Obi Wan's kids than Anakin's kids. I mean, there's no. Yeah, I think there's like there's Almost no. He's a, he's a Jedi. He's a Jedi's not supposed to have kids. So, well, Anakin and Obi Wan were both Jedi. So if she's going to presume one Jedi has kids, she might as well presume another Jedi has kids. He's not a I Jedi. think that... All right, go ahead. Well, you think... <laughs> I, I'm pretty but, sure... Look, I don't know how that... I don't know how that metal suit works, but I don't think that Darth Vader oh, is hitting okay. it with anybody. There's no need. There's no need. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> Back no, up. I do think... I mean, like, I think I think there's a good possibility that Reva might find out the truth no, and okay, what fair, she fair. does with that information or doesn't do with that information or where that leads her story. Like... I, it, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of, and I'm sure that like in classic Star Wars fashion, there's going to be a lot of things that are left open-ended too. I don't think this is all going to get yeah, wrapped up in a perfect yeah. bow. Whether we get a season two or more Obi-Wan Kenobi or not, I think they're going to leave some things yeah. open for us to all argue about on Twitter incessantly for the next year and a half. <laughs> and I did like that they started on, that they had the duel on Coruscant's bright, there's light, it's, you know, everything's great and fine. And then their duel 
later on Jabim, which is a much more darker situation. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice uh, juxtaposition as well. Uh, here are the Jedi that were on the wall. Corwin Shelve um, uh, was on the walls. It first appeared as an NPC in the Galaxy Guide 9 supplement of the classic West End RPG from the 1990s. He's a character game master's. Uh, he was trained as a Jedi in the years after the Purge, learning the ways of the Force from a Sullustan Jedi master named Darren Arcanian. So they are okay. Darren Arcanian, I guess. There you go. Um, Shelby became part of Luke Skywalker's new Jedi order uh, after the fall of the Empire. Uh, and that's I think that's part of um, and the court one as a Jedi now is, is much earlier in Legends. Uh, Tiberius Anderlock uh, was another one that was referenced as a Jedi pilot from the online PC game Star Wars Galaxies, which ran from 2003 to 2011. Uh, Drake Logan is another one. Um, and that was from a variety of web comics that were posted on Hyperspace, which was the official Star Wars fan club online portal. Drake Logan's on a cave wall, which we saw. is a Jedi. He's a Jedi Padawan from the story Reversal of Fortune, who after fighting alongside Anakin during the Clone Wars, survived Order 66 and later clashed with Vader. He also interacted with several Clone Wars characters, including General Grievous, Isla Sakura, and Barriss Offi. And Garel, the planet Garel, as you mentioned here earlier, Laura, getting a shout-out again. Uh, mentions, mentioned all the time, uh, and is mentioned through a variety of books and comics, is the site of a Phoenix space home to a rebel cell, key to some of the early decisions that turned a scattered network of anti- anti-imperial fighters into an organized rebel alliance. So, whew, that's a lot. We're getting all these Jedi referenced. Are we going to see anything down the road with any of these Jedi Probably not, but they're probably just winks and nods to the hardcore Star Wars fans. So that's they're nice. They're all hanging out. They're all hanging out with George Kenobi. Oh god. <laughs> uh, when you all saw those lightsabers, did yeah. the one kind of look like Mace Windu? Mace Windu's to anybody don't else? Bring it into it. A I little don't... bit. Okay. Mace right. Windu's lightsaber is at the bottom of a gutter <laughs> in Coruscant. He flew out a window. Coruscant is several, several miles deep. The man is dead. Mace His is lightsaber dead. is there. Just okay. saying. These two, these two can exist independently. <laughs> like the lightsaber could have survived. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Any final words? Anything we missed? Anything you want to say? I mean, we talked about. I mean, that was. I think all of us had the same reaction when Vader held that ship for a second and then ripped it apart. What a moment! <laughs> Just cool. That right. was cool. I mean, that's when your nerd your nerdgasm happens when that moment happens. Uh, and what about the what about the final duel? Uh, we all spoke on that, right? And I think yeah. those were the two real big highlights of the of the of the episode for me. I don't know about for you all. So yeah, I look. Else? I think that I think that despite all the little quibbles and stuff, I mean it. And we said this with the third episode as well. Like yeah. Vader feels like Vader. Yes. Oh, like 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 100%. like you and McGregor. You and McGregor is killing it as Obi Wan Kenobi and. Even though we're getting a good amount of Vader in this episode, in these episodes, like he still feels like Darth Vader. Like this is the badass Sith Lord that we grew up with, and I think that they deserve a lot of credit for that because there's so many ways that they could have made choices where you'd be like, Ugh. and okay. he feels great to me. Agreed. And any final words, Laura or Shannon? Um, I'll mention that the Star Wars Brotherhood book by Mike Chen came out not too long ago, and that had to have been very good, very strategic planning on the part of Del Rey, because that reading that right before watching this show, it just makes that tragedy of Obi-Wan and Anakin so much more profound. That was done purposely 
and it was done well that release time so bravo to them yeah but pick it up now it's available as laura said just came out a few weeks ago uh shannon any final thoughts yeah despite nitpicks and quibbles which some some folks really have an issue with our issues (laughs) (laughs) star wars fandoms despite all that you know we keep coming back to this because we enjoy it and folks like ah if you hate it that much don't watch it's like no i'm literally going to watch almost everything star wars that comes out if i had more time i would read everything star wars that comes out and just because you know we have we have you know little uh little speed bumps here and there that doesn't detract from our love of star wars at all well, and I do think, I mean, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine on Twitter about this, but I understand, I think the reason people get upset sometimes is because so much of the Star Wars fandom on Twitter, like, just wants to hate everything. Like, they kind of dive in and like, oh, this was horrible, and this was horrible, and I hated this. And then there's the other side of Star Wars fandom that almost in reaction to that, just like, violently loves everything that they see because they're like, it's Star Wars, we love this, like, it makes me feel good. And I'm like, and I think that we kind of try and sit in the middle, which is... Yeah. I do kind of love everything Star Wars. And I also don't mind pointing out the things that, like, make me laugh. Like, you know, I think that, like, Leia hiding under Obi-Wan Kenobi's coat will give me giggles <laughs> for the next 10 years. Like, I, oh, just, I just find it funny. I find it funny just like I find it funny um, that start, that stormtrooper that hits his head on the Death Star in, uh, in the first movie. Or in Return of the <laughs> Jedi, that one uh, Mon Calamari in the background when Admiral Akbar is like or ordering things around, who's just pointing at props and going like this. <laughs> He's, he might be my favorite Mon Calamari. So I think when you really, really love something, uh, just, just like I do to John and Shannon, uh, you, you get to point out the things that are silly about them because you love them so much amen and and, and yeah i mean yeah whatever and vice, and vice versa silly how dare you we're serious <laughs> um I, I do want to give one shout out to natalie holt i think the music was great yeah. in this yes. episode uh there were some really strong music cues that accentuated uh the moments that were happening both the quieter moments and the larger moments yeah. uh and i think that final shot that final music cue with Luke there in the final shot was great. So yeah. there's a great variation thing. on the Imperial March that's playing while Vader's like marching through the hallways yes. a couple of times. It's perfect. It's great. Right. So last thing I promise. Yes. Um, I love Natalie Holt's score from Loki. I, I and oh, I like Obi Wan. Man, I wish they'd use the Imperial March. Uh, when I mean, right. once or twice when you see Vader walking, it's like, why can't we just hear dun, 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 dun. just just once i would really like that and somewhere there's on another show someone's going i'm so glad they didn't use the imperial march enough with the homages to the old stuff you know <laughs> you know, you know the balance. it's always the balance all right well there you go that's our review spoiler review of episode five here of obi-wan kenobi the possibly limited series or maybe the first season of this show here from disney plus and uh, lucasfilm um we appreciate all the comments that you leave down below we appreciate all the interactions we have with you whether good or bad we love them to pieces because it means you're watching or listening and that matters so thank you very much for watching and listening to this uh, spoiler review shannon what do we have to tell them yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says uh mikey um, if you liked what we thought about Obi-Wan Kenobi, or if you didn't, 
We don't mind either way. We're just glad you're here. And here is what you can do to make sure that we continue to drive y'all crazy as we talk about our favorite things about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, you can hit that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page where he has tons of amazing content. Some with us, some with Laura, some with other people. The man is busy. Leave sure. your comments below. Uh, I'm sure you have some opinions. Let us know what you think about everything. Uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, leave us some stars and leave us some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, and share it with your friends to tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, and thousands of you watch our show. Thousands of you listen to us on the podcast. Share the show. We want to build the community. That's your one job is to share the show. You uh, had one job. <laughs> the Geek Buddies on it. We would appreciate it. And we also appreciate the great Laura Kelly joining us yet again for another review here on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Thank you so much, Laura Kelly. Please let them all know where they can find you and what you got going on. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's so great talking Star Wars with you. If you want to come find me on Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at shutup underscore Laura. I just pretty much violently love Star Wars, as Mike <laughs> alluded to earlier, and I'm one of those people you can come chat with about Star Wars online. Um, find me at shutup underscore Laura. The show that I uh, host with my friend Alice is called Force Toast, a Star Wars happy hour, where we drink wine, love Star Wars, and also make fun of Star Wars, um, and it's a lot of fun. So you can find that at Force Toast Pod, and then the show I host with John right here on his channel is The Jedi Way, so be on the lookout for new episodes uh, probably sometime in the next week, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, we've got some ideas for sure. Uh, and thank you all so much. We appreciate Madly and the other people we appreciate Madly are Carbon Health. Carbon Health, thank you so much. They power and sponsor all we do here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. If you've got some healthcare issues you need checked out, like getting stabbed by a lightsaber, Carbon Health is where you need to go. They offer virtual care. They offer in-person care. they got 100-plus clinics all over the country, 50-plus clinics in California alone doing a lot of COVID testing. The numbers are going up. You want to get that taken care of. But hey, if you've got any questions or concerns, download the app. Yeah. They've got an app for you as well. Have a doc in your POC so you can reference any of those uh, questions and any of those answers they have available for you uh, from carbonhealth.com. So, all right. Uh, you, that's know that's how, you know that's how the Grand Inquisitor uh, survived, actually. Yeah, probably. He went, you called Carbon Health. To leave a little bitchy comment, too. I like that he's bitchy, a little bitchy. I dig it. I respect it. All right. Well, thank you all so much. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here from The Geek Buddies and Laura Kelly. <laughs> hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.